52 episodes, 52 ordinary people, 52 real stories about things that affect overall health. Because there is a lot more that goes into being healthy than food and fitness. Inspiration, support, a new perspective, and knowledge. You'll find that and more here on the Health Ability Project. Hi, welcome to the Health Ability Project. I'm Robin McKenna. Receiving a diagnosis after not feeling right is usually a relief. The unknowns slip away and a plan of treatment and or recovery falls into place. The certainty of a diagnosis can be stabilizing, leaving us with peace of mind and a sense that we are in control. We just want to know what it is, right? So we can take care of it, move on, get better, or learn to manage the issue in the right way. But what happens when you discover you've been misdiagnosed? How does that impact your overall health and well-being? Here to share her story of misdiagnosis and how she got through it is Dee Birkins. Dee is a retired grandmother of two teenaged granddaughters. She has been married for 38 years to her childhood pal, Barry, who she has known since they were both five years old. Dee spends her time creating handmade jewelry that she has turned into a small business and working full-time as a political activist helping to get out the vote. Dee has volunteered in the past with the American Heart Association's Go Red for Women campaign by speaking publicly to groups, relaying her personal health care experience to help save lives. Thanks for joining me today, Dee. I'm glad to have you on the show. It's also fitting that this month, February, is American Heart Month. We'll talk more about that as your story unfolds. But tell us, what happened? You were diagnosed with one condition and somehow you discovered that you had been misdiagnosed. Where did you go from there? And and what was the timeline on this? Was it months? Was it a year? Well, thank you. I'm glad to be here with you, Robin. Um, Actually, the timeline uh, where this misdiagnosis was taking place was over several years, actually. Um, It started when I was in my late 40s. Um, I was experiencing uh, chest pain. Um, I was experiencing shortness of breath. I was experiencing fatigue. And the doctor that I was going to at the time um, told me that the pain in my chest was arthritis related. And I was also experiencing um, severe pain in my legs when I would walk uh, on any sort of a slight incline. All I had to do was like go up the stairs or up the slightest of hills and my legs would literally turn into feeling like lead and like they were shut right down. So that the reason that the doctor uh, gave for that in his um, wisdom, if you want to call it that, was that my legs were, I needed to exercise more. So he showed me exercises that I could do to improve my calf muscles and all. He didn't believe that the issue with your legs was related to the issue with your chest then, if he felt that you just needed more exercise. 
No, he did not. He didn't. He didn't put the two together. And I asked him multiple times over the course of the several years if I could, because back in those days, you needed a referral with your insurance company for everything. So I wanted to go for like a stress test. And he told me that I didn't need it. He sat me down in the office and he did an EKG on me while I was sitting and I was quiet. And all of these symptoms happened when I was giving, when I was doing physical activity, when I was walking, when I was going up the stairs, when I was on the recumbent bike down in the basement. And so he told me that, you know, I, I was perfect on paper. Number one, I wasn't quite 50. I was 49 at the time. And I was petite. I was small. I was, um, I only weighed like about 115 pounds. My triglycerides, my blood pressure, my lipids, everything was all within the normal range. So on paper, I looked perfectly okay, but there was one glaring factor that he ignored, and that was my family history, and it was part of my medical records. Um, My mother, her identical twin sister, and my mother's mother all had heart attacks before they were 50 years old. Wow. Did you question him as to why he was ignoring this? And how is that he, making you feel? You Well, you know, I was starting to doubt my own self, especially wow. when he came out with the thing about the arthritis, because I had severe, and I still do have severe osteoarthritis. I've had that since I was very young. And I was seeing a rheumatologist, so I'm being treated for arthritis. So, okay, maybe. But, you know down deep inside, my gut wasn't going for it at all. I knew in my gut that something was not right. So at the time, I had just for the last couple of years been working at the medical center and I had exposure to a lot of doctors. And so I was like, so what do you think about this? And um, it ended up I switched my primary care doctor. I left him. I went to one of the doctors at the medical center and she said to me, you know what, Dee, you're you're absolutely right. He's absolutely right. On paper, you look like a perfect specimen, but there's one thing that is really bothering me and it's your family history. And you're at the exact age right now that all of your ancestors have had heart attacks on your maternal mother's side. I'm going to send you to a cardiologist. And from there, the the proper diagnosing came about. When you were at the hospital, working at the hospital and and you switched physicians, what was it that finally made you comfortable enough to leave the doctor you were with to go to another doctor? Was there a specific incident or was it just that you were around other people that you felt would give you better attention? A couple of the doctors did suggest to me that I should leave. But the other thing that was very glaring for me as a really problematic symptom, and it got worse and worse and worse with time, was I started, not only did I have the chest pain, which ended up being classic, you know, angina, but I also had developed debilitating fatigue. Mm. 
and it just wasn't right. And I know I would complain to friends and family and I, and I, I can't even count how many times I heard from various sources, the old cliche, well, you know, you're not as young as you used to be. which just made me cringe, you know, because I was getting ready to turn 50. This was just before my 50th birthday. I hated turning 50. Psychologically, it did a number on me because I associated 50 with not feeling well, not, not having any energy. And I'll tell you, I used to be like the energizer bunny. Mm. I'm not kidding. It was insane the amount of energy I had. And it must have been very frustrating to not be heard by so many people. It, w- you know, it was. You have this incredible fatigue and they're brushing it off. Right. Right. And it was bad. I mean, to the point I could not function. It was, it got that bad. Mm-hmm. I switched and I went to this wonderful new uh, female physician and she was the one that sent me to the cardiologist and he did the same thing. You know, he said, because of your family history, we're going to do a complete workup. So they did the ultracardiogram. And then the very next day, that that was okay, but they did what the uh, diagno- the diagnosis came through was with the nuclear stress test because it showed that I had ischemia in different areas of my heart and ischemia is blood flow, uh, dec- a decrease in blood flow. So they needed at that point to next do a heart catheterization to see where in the heart the blood was not flowing. So the very next day they put me in the hospital. They did the heart cath. I had four blocked arteries that were blocked 90%. And I had quadruple bypass surgery two days later. Oh my God. Oh my God. Wow. And was that at the time, I know, you know, even triple bypass, quadruple bypass seems fairly commonplace these days, but back then it must have been a fairly significant procedure and recovery, right? Actually, I had things going in my favor. I mean, it it, it was not as difficult as you would think it would be actually, but I had a lot of good things going in my favor. I, number one, I wasn't diabetic. Number two, I was not overweight. I wasn't, I wasn't morbidly obese and I had not had a heart attack. So my heart was, my cardiologist told me your heart is as strong as an 18 year old soccer player. He said, but it's these, the coronary artery disease that is not bringing the blood flow through Mm. is what your problem is. So, um, I healed quite significantly, um, I would say fairly rapidly. When I got home from the hospital, believe it or not, it was only like four days. No, the, the fourth day I got home. So we were now about seven days out from surgery. I was actually doing laundry. So I did, I did good. I, I really That's did amazing. good. That's amazing. So then what happened after that because of the leg issue, the cardiologist had me now going to the vascular specialist okay. and come to find out. So I had 
it was diagnosed, the proper diagnosis was coronary artery disease. It's also known as CAD. But after I went and I had all the testing done with the vascular doc, I also had what they call peripheral artery disease, which is PAD. So I had all these blockages also in my legs. So 10 months after I had the coronary artery disease, I had to have a, another huge, it was even, this one was tougher than the, the quadruple bypass surgery. It was what they call an aorta bifem, which is an aortic uh, bifemoral um, bypass. So, and because I had, and then at this point, they further diagnosed me with what they call small vessel disease and come to find out it's genetic all of the women in my family have it my i told you my grandmother my mother her identical twin me now all three of my sisters we have all had these issues vascular coronary and now my daughter is has just turned 50 and so far knock on wood she's good but she is being watched yearly by a cardiologist and a vascular person so that they can nip it in the bud before anything happens. Yes. So, but we have this small vessel disease. So what that means is that the whole plumbing system in your body stinks. It really does because you have abnormally small vessels. So like if my artery is clogged like 90%, they could take that amount out of me and put it in you and you might be clogged 10%. Wow. So, and it affects everything. So in the meantime, over the years, I have had six bypasses on my leg in the past eight years on my left leg. I've got two stents going one to each kidney because there was 70% blockage on each kidney. I have a blockage going up the back of my basilar artery. And I also had an eye blo um, blockage, which caused a retinal bleed. So, I mean, it affects mm. the whole body. What do you think would have happened had you uh, not switched physicians? I wouldn't be here today, beyond a shadow of a doubt. I, I would be not here. I mean, I have so many questions. What 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 goes through or what went through your mind when you went to the new uh, cardio doctor and you learned you had to have quadruple bypass right away? You know, you're fairly young. You've got young kids. Uh, yeah, they were teenagers know, at the time. <laughs> how, how stressful and chaotic that must have been. But, I mean, was there a level of anger or frustration towards this original doctor who just disregarded the facts? I, you know, I think I was angry with him, but I'll tell you what, Robin, I, to tell you the truth, I was a little more angry with myself that it took me, like, I, I was going through this with him for like three years, I, you know, and, and I was like, uh, you know, a heart attack waiting to happen. And I think I, I was more disgusted with myself to say, why didn't you do something sooner? You know, if it, so that's mainly what I, I want my message today to be is don't second guess your own self. If your gut instinct is telling you that it's not right, you 
go and you act upon that. You have to do it because it's a matter of life and death. It really is. That's that's uh, really a great piece of advice because we second guess ourselves all the time. But, uh, you know, just to back up for a minute, we are conditioned. Society conditions us to trust doctors. They are supposed to know way more than we know. And we couldn't possibly begin to understand everything that they that they know about the body. And so even if we are second guessing what they might be thinking, we are conditioned to give them blind trust, which is not really a good thing. No, it's not. It's not a good thing. And, you know, not all doctors are good doctors. I, I hate to say that. And I, and I, and I kind of found out that by working at the medical center, I mean, you you learn that i you know it's like it, it doesn't matter what occupation you're in there's those that are really really good and there's those that are not so good so you can't be passive about your your own health care and and you can't be afraid i know a lot i have people within my immediate circle when they go to the doctors it's like they don't even know what kind of questions to ask the doctors, you know, seriously. And, you know, they'll come out and you can say, well, what did the doctor say about this? Or what did the doctor say about that? And they're like, oh, I I don't know. I didn't ask them. Well, you have to start asking the right questions. And if you don't know what the right questions are to ask, maybe there's somebody in your circle that's a little more savvy or and you could go to them for guidance. But you you can't just assume that what's happening is the right thing Mm. for your body. That's that's really good advice and and very true very true we have to uh we have to learn to question it's okay to question yes it is okay to question there are and i think a lot of women have been taught to just kind of put up and shut up Mm. and i you have you Mm. can't you just you can't when it comes to your health it seems that as a result of your experience that you've become a true advocate for your own health and you know clearly you learned a lesson right and right and and it seems to have given you strength and you you turn that strength into into action by becoming involved with the american heart association go red for right. women campaign Tell right us a little right. bit about that and how that well, makes you feel oh i love it i love going around i haven't done it for a, for a few years it was all pre-covid of course right. but you know um but I, I would go uh, to different nursing homes or we would go to like Women's Club or of Albany um, to different, you know, to different venues and uh, especially leading up to Go Red for Women. And just I would, you know, tell my story. I had a little PowerPoint, you know, that I would do that was kind of humorous. And then the cardiologist would be with me. So I would give the personal side of the story. And then the cardiologist would answer all the clinical questions that the audience would have. So it was fun. I've always enjoyed doing that. And and the other thing that's really important, too, is that 
it's important to develop a really good relationship with your doctor. And that I am so blessed, Robin, that that has happened and come true for me because my doctors know I'm not an alarmist. I don't pick up the phone for every little thing and every ache and pain. But I'll tell you what, over the years, my vascular doc and my cardiologist both know that when I call them and I say, I've got some something really serious going on here, they get me in immediately or they have me go right to the emergency room and they have the emergency room waiting for me because every single time I have told them something serious was going on. It never failed. There was something going on. So over the years, I have learned to be able to recognize the signs of what is going on inside of my body to know that something isn't right. Yeah. It's remarkable that you say that, you know, you, you've become very accountable for your own health and not so much lifestyle. We haven't really even talked about lifestyle, but just being aware of what is going on and and knowing triggers and and I think that that would go a long way with with people and with doctors if if we all did a little bit more than that more of that mm-hmm. um you know I I had been doing a little research in advance of our conversation today and I had read that cardiovascular disease is the number one killer of women one in three women will be di- diagnosed with this or will die with die from this Mm-hmm. And that the the instance of death from being misdiagnosed is anywhere between 40,000 to 80,000 people a year, depending upon yes. what you read and the yes. data that's been made available the past couple of years. And it's that is shocking. That is just shocking. And that number just should not even be anywhere near what it is. But, right. you know, you, you, you really demonstrate um, the importance of taking charge and really investing in yourself and being in tune with your body and, and being an advocate for yourself with doctors and, mm-hmm. and other healthcare professionals. And it takes time to build that relationship up. That's certainly not an instant thing that happens right. when you first walk in the door and, and he walks in that examining room or she. Um, it takes, it's something like all interpersonal relationships. It takes time to build up, to build up trust and respect. And it's been enough years now that I've been very fortunate to be able to have that relationship with my doctors. Matter of fact, a couple of them, let me text them. (laughs) Uh, That's nice. That's how nice nice is that? Yeah. Yeah. Cause they appreciate you as, you know, as you said earlier, you, you really, you're very accountable and, you know, probably be helpful to a lot of doctors if, if more of us were like that, because their burden is quite heavy. There's, you mm-hmm. know, a finite number of them and many more of us with our ambulance right. complaints and uh, being accountable is always, is always helpful. This has been an extraordinary conversation. I am, I am thrilled for you that you, uh, that you took action and, and decided to change doctors and really change the trajectory of your life by doing yeah. so. Yeah. So thank you very much. I really, really appreciate your time tonight. Well, you are very welcome. It's my pleasure. And Robin, if this someone out in your listeners hear this and it can help them or maybe they know somebody, a mother, a sister, who's maybe going through the same type of thing and they can relay the story. And if one life gets saved from this 
podcast. We did, we did good. Yeah, I would agree. And that's the whole point of this is just, you know, sharing the experience in the hopes that somebody can relate to it and either for themselves or to pass it along to somebody who could use it. Mm -hmm. So thank you. Thank you for highlighting that. I really appreciate that. You're welcome. Well, thanks very much for listening tonight. Listeners, if you like us, please share us and tell your friends about us. And if you have any questions, comments, or suggestions, you can email me at thehealthabilityproject at gmail.com. We will see you next week. Thanks very much. Thanks for joining us today at The Health Ability Project. We'd love to hear from you, so please email us your questions, comments, or suggestions, including future guests, to thehealthabilityproject at gmail.com. And please, like us, subscribe, and share us with your friends.